Hello and welcome back to a new week of Your Town Crime. Uh, this week, if you remember from last week, we're talking about Clarksdale, Mississippi, down on the Mississippi Delta. Shannon, how you doing this week? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been a good week. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. After we, as uh, soon as I started researching, I got really excited about Clarksdale. I've I've heard of this town. I just didn't remember right when he, when the dart hit. But I've seen some documentaries of this place and have heard of people from here and have heard of some of the legends. So I'm really excited to get going. Ooh, let's get into it. Okay, so diving right into Clarksdale, Mississippi. Uh, the population is around 15,000, so it's a pretty small town, not, not too big. Uh, but to be such a small town, it sure does have a lot of history. Uh, it's uh, the Choctaw and Chicksaw, excuse me. <laughs> the what? <laughs> the Choctaw and Chickasaw, Native American tribes, uh, lived in this area uh, for thousands of years. And uh, the town was actually built on an intersection of two Native American routes that went through this area. Uh, in 1830, the Treaty of Dancing Rabbit Creek uh, kicked out the Choctaw forces and and forced them to give 15 million acres of their land Whoa. to the United States. So great, another great. We talked about this last week, about the Trail of Tears. This is another example of that, uh, two weeks in a row. It's just uh, there's a lot of a lot of sad history, American history, in this episode, mm-hmm. um, and then some good good redemptive history coming up too. So, uh, 1830, the that was the Choctaw that was forced to give that land. In 1837, the Chickasaw tribe was also removed, and uh, they were both both sent out to uh, Oklahoma. Um, Man, yeah, so it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Just kicked out of their land and moved moved west. 1848 uh, is where the the town is when the the town's namesake moved to moved to Clarksdale. It's John Clark. He founded founded the town, settled there, and created the timber mill. All right, so the settlers came to this area and they started to uh, cultivate cotton. After clearing the land, the fertile Delta Mississippi River soil was good for that. Clarksdale became known as the Golden Buckle on the Cotton Belt. Okay. All right. In 1860, the population, um, the population was mostly slaves. The population there was 1,521 white people and 5,085 slaves. Whoa. Yeah. So that's a big difference. That tells you how much, how, how much slavery played a part in this area. Wow. Uh, so that was 1860. Uh, thankfully, a couple of years later, later slavery was abolished. And the slave, the slaves couldn't really leave. That was their livelihood. That's where they were. They didn't have any money. They didn't mm-hmm. have anywhere to go. So they they became sharecroppers along with other uh, poor white people. Uh, became sharecroppers, and which wasn't a lot better than slavery. They didn't make money, but they had to. Everything they got was usually from former slave owners and plantations. Uh, plantations would sell them sell them their uh, their seeds and all that stuff, uh, sell them all their equipment, mm. and would uh, would buy things back in in uh, in like tokens or, or company money or something like that. A store, you know, it had to be redeemed there. Mm-hmm. You couldn't spend it anywhere else, so you were kind of stuck where you were. You didn't, you weren't getting dollar bills that you could save and save up to buy something 
and you know or get a train ticket or something like that you were you were getting just credit at the store pretty much and just trading that so you're stuck where you were it's hard to get out of that uh, and then things got harder with Jim Crow laws uh, things were good for just a second before Jim Crow laws there were the Mississippi Constitution was 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 pretty pretty good you could uh, former slaves could own land uh, but then Jim Crow laws kind of messed all that up I'll talk more about that in a little bit uh, in 1875, uh, Bill Peace, he was a freedman, and he was a Union soldier. He was a veteran, and uh, he formed a security force to prevent theft from a plantation. And after people heard about that in town, the white, the white people in town heard about that, the rumors started to fly that General Peace uh, was going to come to town and plunder, plunder the town and kill white people. So they became, the whites formed a militia and suppressed Peace's revolt is what it was called, Pieces Revolt. So there was a race riot in 18, 1875. Hmm. So that was a, that's a, another black eye on the Clarksdale's Mississippi's history. Um, African-Americans composed most of the labor force in that, in that time uh, up into the 1920s and 1940s. And this is where um, up in, uh, in this area, this era of Clarksdale, um, in this this era in the United States, uh, there was a. It's called the Great Migration. It's the largest the largest movement of people in the United States at, at one at one time. Uh, what was happening in the South? Cotton cotton prices started going down, so there just wasn't as many jobs, and um, there became in the 1940s, 1930s, 1940s. It became where you could cultivate cotton uh, completely completely by machine, so you didn't need people anymore. The 1920s to the 1940s, people started moving north. There was the, the Illinois uh, Central Railroad ran all the way down the Mississippi River uh, so they could get on a, people could get on a train and head north. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people went to Chicago, went to St. Louis. But with the, uh, with the Great Migration, there was a book that was written about that by Nicholas Lehman, or Nicholas Lamont. Sorry, Nick, if I pronounced your name wrong. Uh, called the Promised Land. It's called the. <laughs> sorry, pro- Nick. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Nick. I mess, messed up your name. Now I'm messing up your title. Uh, it's called the Promised Land: The Great Black Migration and How It Changed America. And the History Channel took that book and made a documentary on it, and it was narrated by Morgan Freeman. And I, th- I think I've seen, I've seen that, or I've seen part of that. And I was talking a second ago about during the Great Migration, the culture from Mississippi was taken outside of of Mississippi in this area. And one of the huge things and the huge contributions to the world, really, that came out of Mississippi, and you could some would make the claim that specifically out of Clarksdale would be music. Blues. Blues music, Delta blues. And that it definitely was a huge impact. Yeah, I that's where that's this is what I'd heard of, of Clarksdale. I'd heard of the story of Robert Johnson. You, have you heard of Robert Johnson? Enlighten me. Enlighten you. Okay. Have you heard of Have you heard of Eric Clapton? Yes. Yes. Have okay. you heard of Keith Richards? Yes. Have you heard of Robert Plant? No. You've heard of Led Zeppelin. Yes. That's Robert Plant. Okay. Or one of Led Zeppelin. He's, okay. he's part of Led Zeppelin. So you've heard of his music. You've heard of Jimmy Jimmy Hendrix, yes, Bob Dylan, yes. Okay, all of these people, and plus many, many more, including me, 
have heard of Robert Johnson. Okay. All right. Maybe uh, I have. I'll just well, have you heard? Uh, Eric Clapton was in a band called Cream. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. I knew he was All in right. a band. Okay, yeah. He was okay. in a band called Cream. He's from, he's English. So is Keith Richards and Robert Plant. There was a British blues invasion in the 60s. And they were influenced by Robert Johnson. Um, the, and Cream had a, had a song called Crossroads. And it was one of Robert Johnson's songs. So all right, Robert Johnson, Crossroad Blues was a famous song. And it, became, it didn't become famous while he was alive. He, he was born sometime around 1911. They don't really know. Uh, he, was, he died in 1937. And the tale is, the legend is that outside of Clarksdale... At a crossroads, he sold his soul to the devil. I did hear about okay. that. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So that's the story of Robert Johnson. That he outside there's a crossroads. There's there's a there's a sign there where to to specify the area where this this, this was supposed to have happened. But he sold his soul to the devil for to be able to play guitar. Okay. For his guitar knowledge, and uh, one of the legends is that the the guitar the the devil. Uh, was an old black man that took took his guitar and tuned it and played some songs and we handed it back. Robert was able to play better than he ever has and was, and was one of the best guitar players after that. So he was born in nineteen, sometime in around nineteen eleven. Uh, he only made, he only recorded uh, recorded songs in two different sessions, one in nineteen thirty six and nineteen, and another one nineteen thirty seven. And he died in nineteen thirty seven. Well, nobody really heard about him or heard his music until 1961. They released, Columbia Records released a, a, uh, an album uh, called The King of the Delta Blues Singers, and, and it had Robert Johnson on there. And that's how Eric Clapton, Keith Richards, Robert Plant, Jimi Hendrix, Bob Dylan, they, they all started hearing about Robert Johnson in 1961 after wow, that. what so, an influence. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, you go back, you, you've heard, you've heard some, at some point you've heard the Cream's Crossroads song. You've heard that. Um, but all the, his guitar playing was it influenced so many people if you've ever played the blues or ever listened to the blues whoever you're listening to has has learned has has gotten something either directly or indirectly from Robert Johnson hmm. yeah so that's it's huge and he's been uh, you know he wasn't known in his time really uh, he was known around Mississippi and in, in, in the Delta um but as far as outside of there, he wasn't really known. But since then, uh, he won a he won a Grammy in 1990, and he was in uh, Crossroad Blues was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1998. He's got four songs on the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. 1980, he was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. 1986, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 2000, he was a uh, inducted in the Mississippi Music Musicians Hall of Fame. 2006, he got a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. So he's he's re- he was really known. He's really influenced rock and roll music. It, the, the what we know is rock and roll music was heavily heavily uh influenced by Robert Robert Johnson and Delta Blues musicians. A lot of the rock and roll songs that we know from early on, Elvis Presley um, a lot of his songs were actually stolen from Delta Blues musicians and 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 other and other Southern musicians. Mm. Yeah, I mean most of the famous ones you know. Uh, let's see. I can name some: My Way, Suspicious Minds. 
All right, a little bit older than that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to get older. <laughs> uh, blue suede shoes, I okay. think it's one of them. Uh, I should have, I haven't looked this up, so. But there's a, there's several uh, that were stolen from other people, and he he made them famous. And, um, but that's uh, that's the, the story of Robert Johnson. There's also, there's been all kinds of people, famous singers from Clarksdale. There's a lot of famous people there, a lot of people who have done a lot of things in sports, um, if you look at it, if you go to Wikipedia and look up the fame, you know, notable people from this th- this town or who have lived here, it's really long. Who for, are some sports people? Oh, I didn't know anybody, any big names really. Um, I didn't, and I didn't write any down. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but uh, as far as musicians, uh, Sam Cooke, he's 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 pretty smooth. You need to listen to the, you need to. Everyone needs to get on. Uh, everybody needs to look these people up. Sam Cook, if you don't know him, you need. To, you've heard his, you've heard some of his music, and in fact, he had a he's got a song, an album called Change, and the artwork on there uh, inspired the artist uh, for the Change, uh, Barack Obama's Change poster. Okay, they, they look almost identical. Uh, so some other famous people, Jason, that you might not be aware of. Who's that? <laughs> Rick Ross. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've got born him born yeah. in Clarksdale. Who else you got? Also Nate, Nate Dog. Dog. Yeah, yeah, I've got them down. Ike Turner. Yeah, Tina Turner's husband. Wow, yeah. there is a lot of famous people. Yeah, there are. Ike Turner, uh, Son House, uh, Johnny Lee Hooker. Uh, you've heard, you've heard of his, you've you've heard some of his music somewhere on movies or something. Uh, Earl Hooker, uh, Kingfish Ingram. He's a young guy, right? He's he's twenty twenty one years old and. And I listen to some of his stuff. If you need to listen to King Kingfish Ingram, okay. Um, some other people who have lived there that aren't from there is W. C. Handy, uh, Muddy Waters. You heard Muddy Waters? These are mm. all blues guys. Helen Wolf, uh, Tennessee Williams lived there for a while, mm. and Morgan Freeman lived there. Wow, Morgan Freeman. Mm. That was my impression of Morgan <laughs> Freeman. I don't know how how good it was. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> and Morgan Freeman is all I can say. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. Oh, that one was pretty good. <laughs> uh, okay. So, I want to I want to point out Dr. Dolores Cooper Shockley. She's from Clarksdale. She uh, she's a scientist, and she was the first black woman to receive a PhD in pharmacology in the United States. Wow. So. So good for her. Yeah, that's, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So I wanted to bring her up too and give her a little shout out on our pod, our little little podcast because that needs to be shouted out. Uh, somebody else that's been in the news in the last several years was uh, Marco McMillan. Have you heard of him, Shannon? Actually, I have heard of Marco McMillan. How have you heard of him? Because that is exactly who we're going to talk about for the crime part of this podcast. That was a nice, smooth segue <laughs> right there. Thank you, folks. We're we're getting better. We're working on it. <laughs> All right, Shannon, what do you have about Marco? Okay, so on today's crime episode, we're going to look into, like you said, Marco McMillan. Marco was a successful CEO of MWM and Associates, which is a consulting firm to nonprofit organizations. After a successful career that took him to Washington, D.C. and Memphis, Marco had returned to his hometown in Clarksdale to enter the mayor's race in 2013. 
He had everything going for him. Marco was the first openly gay man to be a viable candidate for public office in Mississippi at that time. In the entire state? In the entire state. In the years of this article? 2013. Okay. Like, that's kind of wild. Yeah. His death sparked fear and suspicion from Mississippi's dark history of racial brutality. People were concerned the way he died, that it was because he was African-American, he, a hate crime, targeted hate crime, or because he was gay. And he was a successful CEO who also, he was very accomplished, had met President Obama. He was actually on one of, uh, I think it was one of the top 40 list of up-and-coming African-Americans in wow. 2012. So he was pretty notable and... Right, he was, he was smart. Yes, he was well educated, and and used that. And he could have done anything, but right. he chose to come back to his hometown in Clarksdale to right. run for mayor and to fix issues. He didn't have to. He could have probably made more money going elsewhere, right. especially where his career was headed. But he wanted to be loyal to his community and help out. On February 27, 2013, Marco was found dead at the young age of 34 next to a levee, just a 15-minute drive outside of Clarksdale. The, Do you know what a levee is? <sighs> okay. It's, it's this, a, it's I'm not going to sound smart, but I think it has something to do with water, like yeah, keeping water. It's just an earthen dam. Okay. Just a, yeah, and it can, be, it can be a foot high or it can be several feet high. If you go to New Orleans, there's a levee that, there's actually parts of New Orleans, the, the Lake Pontchartrain is actually above the, the street level. Yeah. So yeah. you can look up and see boats. Yeah. So that that's a big levee holding back the water. Right. So they're, and they use them in, in crops and uh, in rice production and stuff like that. You can build a levee and flood a field. And you also use them on the rivers. There's levees all up and down the Mississippi River. Okay. The area that Marco's body was found was completely isolated. It was a steep embankment of pasture that dropped down to the barbed wire fence that went along the water. His body was shoved partway under that barbed wire. Marco's body was found beaten, dragged, and doused with gasoline and set on fire. So to me, I think if you find someone's body up a steep embankment, shoved underneath barbed wire close to the water, I would think there's multiple people involved. Right. That's, it's hard to do. To carry dead weight of a grown man would be really hard for one person to do. Were there, were there drag marks? or the, Do you think he walked up the levee? He, he had was... bruising on his body, um, according to the autopsy, um, right. and under his arms where he had been dragged. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not sure I'm... I'm not sure if it said anywhere about the field or if there was drag marks. I'm sure that they went and investigated that. It's probably somewhere. According to his mother, Marco had left the house on the night of February 25th around 10 p.m. Let me redo that one because it doesn't, it sounds like I'm misleading. According to his mother, Marco had left the inside of the house on the night of February 25th around 10 p.m. to move some cars out of the driveway. He had plans to drive to Memphis the next morning. His stepfather said when he awoke at midnight, Marco never returned inside. Little is known about that night. Authorities haven't released anything to 
say what happened between 10 and midnight or the hours after. Did he, was someone waiting in his car? Did he talk to someone in the street? Was he kidnapped? Did he right. leave willingly with someone? I couldn't find any information on any website. So if anyone knows, send it our way because that would be vital information. The next day on the 26th, Marco's SUV was involved in a head-on collision with a man named Lawrence Reed. His age was 22 as the driver and another man who was airlifted to the hospital. So my thoughts are, why does this other, some random guy have his SUV? Right. Like, what's going on here? And there's no Marco. So now authorities are paying attention to this. And Marco's family had no idea who this Reed guy was. There wasn't much information that I could gather online about how Reed and Marco exactly knew each other. His mother and stepfather went on an interview on CNN. His mother and stepfather went on an interview on CNN and stated that they had no idea who this guy was. Marco never mentioned him. They couldn't find anything in his stuff about Reed. Was he from Clarksville? He was not from Clarksdale. Um, he lived there. The information I found was he lived there with a, his girlfriend and two other people, and he worked at a local Domino's. Some suspect that it could have been a love affair that went wrong. Authorities arrested Reed for the murder of Marco, and upon questioning, Reed admitted to murdering him. He stated that he choked the mayor candidate with his wallet chain. Then he loaded Marco in the McMillan's black Chevy Tahoe and began to drive. As he tried to figure out where to stash the body, he heard Marco waking up or coming back to life. So then he stopped by some standing water alongside the road and put his head underwater to make sure that he was dead. He then put Reed back into the SUV and headed towards Clarksdale. Reed claimed that he didn't intend on burning his body. He bought 49 cents worth of gasoline to burn his cell phone, fearing authorities could catch him. To burn his own cell phone or? To burn McMillan's McMillan's cell phone. Yeah. Reed killed Marco after they left a convenience store, which was also captured on video. He made... Reed killed Marco after they had left a convenience store, which was captured on video. He made claims that Marco made sexual advances toward him in the car and that he didn't know he was... Initially, he didn't know that Marco was gay. He stated in during the trial that Marco was watching pornography on his cell phone and had asked Reed what his sexual preference was. And then he tried to grab him. And he, in a mad state, was going to hit him, but somehow got his wallet chain around his neck. He stated that he was scared Marco was going to rape him. Reed pointed authorities to the body, and the rest is left as rumor and paranoia. Some folks say Reed and Marco were lovers, others just say friends, and Reed panicked after Marco made sexual advances. Some locals even claim that there was no sexual improprieties, but just a political assassination. Reed was ultimately sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole after jurors deliberated for less than two hours before convicting him. All right, so there's no doubt that 
that he killed him. Yes. Just don't, we don't know why. Yes, why. and a lot of locals on some internet sites I was reading on comments and stuff, and some local people had wrote in there that it was a political gain. They didn't want... Um, Marco to represent the Democrats in Mississippi being a gay man, openly gay, even in 2013. Yeah. Well, that's awful. Okay, yeah. Shannon. Th- move on to why you need to visit Clarksdale, because I want to visit. Yeah. Did Andrews, Broken, Broken Arrow, Arrow, and now Clarksdale. I've wanted to, to visit all three of them. There's something there. Uh, this one... Probably got knocked to the top of the list. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Clarksdale has a, they've got a Delta Blues Museum. They've got a juke, juke joint festival. Uh, juke joints were, were small, uh, small bars uh, where, where, where black musicians could play and black people could go and, and dance and have fun uh, and not really have to worry about anything in the, in the Jim Crow area era. Mm. So it's kind of like their spot where they could go, and uh, so there's uh, the Juke, Juke Joint Festival. There's also uh, the Mississippi Blues Trail uh, that you can follow that goes through Clarksdale, and there's uh, the historic markers on the trail that you can see. There's also the Clarksdale Walk of Fame uh, with Ike Turner and Sam Cooke and all these guys that are they're from there, all the famous people from that area. Uh, and then there's the Sun... This is what I want to go to, the Sunflower River Blues and Gospel Festival. Oh. Yeah. It's always in August, I think the second week of August. So next year, 2021, if things get cleared up and we get to travel, uh, put that on your list of things to do if you're if you're a blues fan. Yeah. So is the town more all historic? Is it? I would assume. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a small town. Fifteen. I didn't I didn't really get into any of the the really, look of it. The look. Uh, well, I mean, if you go downtown, a lot of the a lot of downtown's going to be. Uh, historic looking, just like a lot of southern towns. Uh, you know, just uh, two-story buildings, brick buildings on a on a main street. Which shows how cool Morgan Freeman is to live right. there after he becomes famous. Right. <laughs> he is could Mo- live Morgan, anywhere. He's from Chattanooga, is that right? Was he born in Chattanooga or lived in Chattanooga? Really? Yeah, hang on just one second. Let's... Uh, we should do one on Chattanooga. Usher was also born there, right? That's, yeah. Um, Usher. Let's see. Oh, I was talking about him with my dad today. <laughs> we were talking about... Oh, I can't believe I did a, I did my... <laughs> I did my high school... Uh, Reggie Watt. Oh, my oh, goodness. Okay. Reggie Watt's also from, also from Chattanooga. Okay. Yeah. Usher. <laughs> yeah. He's from there. Let's see. Who did, did you say uh, Samuel L. Jackson? Is he from Chattanooga? Yeah. yeah, he's from Chattanooga. What? Yeah, hang on just one second. We should We're, make that dark go to Chattanooga. We'll, we'll have to try. My, aim, <laughs> <laughs> my I'll aim, try. Yeah, my aim wasn't that great last week. Let's see here. Morgan Freeman was not born in Chattanooga. I'm sorry, <laughs> but he was born in Tennessee, in Memphis. So Clarksdale's just south of there. Okay, so that's Clarksdale, Mississippi. I want to thank you all for listening again. Thanks for coming back if this is your third episode. Thanks for listening to all three of them. We'll be back next week for another episode. Uh, We're going to throw the dart here in a second. 
if I don't forget. Where are we going next? Where are we going next? Okay, so we got up and we threw our dart. And Shannon threw the dart, excuse me. It was my turn last week, so this time, this time it was Shannon. What did you hit, Shannon? I hit Rome, New York. Rome, New York. So we're getting out of the south. Her aim was better than mine. She got up in the northeast <laughs> where we were trying to get last week. Uh, but I'm glad we got. I'm glad we went to Clarksdale. But we're uh, we're going to Rome, New York now. Fourth episode, Rome, New York. Yep. Come back next week and uh, same time, same place, and we'll uh, we'll go over Rome, New York. I'm excited. I'm excited. Y'all have a good week. See Bye. ya. See ya. You can find us on all social media outlets linked from our website at yourtowncrimepodcast.com. Like, link, and subscribe to Your Town Crime so you won't miss out on any episodes.